Good evening. Okay, we discussed in the previous year, three weeks ago, the subject of muksa, which we call bosses. Bosses meaning a base. Bosses meaning something where you place a muksa item on top of a non-muksa item. The simplest example would be a drawer. You have a, a drawer which you place your money in, and at the same time you have other non-muksa items in the drawer, or perhaps it's only a money drawer, as we will see. Um, the, one of the strange phenomena of muksa is that muksa can spread. You have an item which is muksa, and an item which is a non-muksa item next to it, and they are two separate items. You may move the non-muksa item, but you may not move the muksa item. If you then place the muksa item on top of the non-muksa item, then the muksa is contagious, and it spreads through to the item underneath it. So, if you place a candlestick, as we explained at length in the previous year, on top of a tray, though the tray itself is not muksa, the candlesticks are muksa, well, let's talk about candles, lit candles are muksa, so the tray, be it that the tray in its own right is not a muksa item, but the minute it's supporting a muksa item, it then takes on the same status as the muksa that's on it, and it becomes muksa. And that's a, a, a strange halakha which is really only relevant to the halakhas of muksa. Most other things, unless it's something like tumma, which uh, can pass from one to the other, most other dynamic statuses on, a, on an object will not move from one subject to the other. Muksa enables, but only in specific conditions and in specific circumstances, when you place it on top, and as we will discuss in the year today, then the m- m- permitted item, the mutter article which is underneath, will then re- receive the same level of muksa as that which is on top of it. So, for example, if you have, we gave the example of candlesticks, you have candlesticks on a tray, or if you take your money and you put money in a money bag, in a money purse, Right, that money, that purse now becomes muksa because it's you've placed muksa into the the purse itself in its own right isn't really muksa unless it's something which is set aside purely to be used for money then it gets its own muksa because of muksa machmasisa. But if you take money, you put it in a money bag. That money bag now, though the bag in its own right is not muksa, but now that it's got the money placed inside it, it will become muksa. And even if the money spills out in the shops, as we'll see in a moment, that bag retains that that the halacha muksa may not be moved. The only time a permitted article will become muksa if there's a non-permitted article lying on top of it is only if the non-permitted article is on its own on top. If you have a tray which has on it a permitted article and a non-permitted article, it has a muksa and a non-muksa item, and the non-muksa item is of more value to you. And it doesn't have to be more financial value, though financial value will help as well, but it has to be more value to you at this point in time than the tray or the whatever it is, the base which is holding these two articles, the drawer, whatever it may be, will not become muksa. A bosses is only a bosses if it's a bosses to a forbidden item on its own, or where the forbidden item is the most prominent item. Where the forbidden item is the less prominent item on this permitted article, then the halach of bosses does not apply. So if you have a drawer which has a, your purse in it, now, just as, at the same time as having your purse in it, it has something which is more relevant to you for Shabbos. It might have your cutlery inside it, your Shabbos cutlery inside it. So you then come Friday night and it's time to lay the table and you remember, oh dear, I put my... Well, we'll discuss that a bit, a bit later, uh, another time, whether that actually becomes a bosses. But you remember, that, yes, I put my money there and I intended to keep it there for Shabbos and I've just forgotten that I wanted to use this cutlery for Shabbos, right? I'm trying to think of an out-of-the-box picture, an out-of-the-box situation. You then have a problem, may I open my drawer, may I not open my drawer? And the answer is, since that cutlery is and was more valuable to you 
for Shabbos, because you want to use this cutlery for Shabbos, then the drawer does not become subordinate to the money, becomes subordinate to the cutlery, and is now permitted to be opened. It's not considered a bosses. So a bosses is a permitted article which is supporting a non-permitted article. It is only considered a bosses if it's a bosses to a double osa on its own, or where the double osa is the more prominent article in it or on it. If it's a bosses to double osa or a double water, if it's a bosses to a something which is permitted and non-permitted, and the permitted article is of more importance or more value to you, then it, it loses its status of bosses and does not, cont- it does not cont- the, the mixture which is lying on it does not spread over to the underneath permitted article at all. We then discussed at length, which is very relevant to this, the halacha of megadis katsoyle ben ashmoshes is katsoyle kuliyema. Meaning, something which is muksa on the, in the onset of Shabbos, in the, the time period of ben ashmoshes, be it that the muksa might, the, the cause of muksa might not be there for the rest of Shabbos, but this article will retain its muksa state for the whole Shabbos. So, for example, we spoke about what the, the, the situation that Chazal described at length. If you have dates or, or grapes that you're trying to dry, to make them into raisins, or to make them into dried dates, whatever it may be. The process of drying out fruit is, at least in those types of fruits, is that when they dry, they go through a, a stage where they become inedible, and then only once they reach the real dry stage, do they become edible again. So Chazal tells us, if you put out on your roof to dry your dates, or your, or your grapes, or whatever it is, to dry them for Shabbos, for, for, sorry, to dry them in order to become dried fruit. Shabbos came in, you went, up to, you went up on the roof to check them, and you realized that they were now at the inedible state. They were not edible, they, 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 they weren't ready to be eaten. You came down Shabbos morning, and they were perfect, just done to a prime, absolutely perfect. Uh, a perfect dried date. Now, may I eat it, may I not eat it. So here comes tell us, since when Shabbos came in, the Benashmoshes period, these grapes were not, these dates were not edible, they were not fit to be eaten, something which is not fit to be eaten is considered muksa. The fact that now they are edible, and the reason why they are muksa doesn't apply anymore, that's irrelevant. If when Shabbos came in, they were muksa, they retained their state of muksa throughout Shabbos. Megas, since the iskatsoi le Benashmoshes, it became muksa for the Benashmoshes period, iskatsoi le kuleyemi, it retains its muksa for the complete duration of Shabbos. That is uh, the rule which is very, very relevant to Hefe Shabbos. So, if you have an article which is muksa for a specific reason, whatever the reason is, when Shabbos comes in, even if that reason isn't there anymore for the rest of Shabbos, it will retain its state of muksa throughout Shabbos. Why that is relevant to us is, let's go back to our classic case of bosses of the candlesticks. Now, as we explained last week, the candlesticks itself are not really muksa. The reason why a candlestick is muksa is because it's got a candle inside it. Now, a candle itself is also not doesn't have to be muksa. The reason why the candle is muksa is because it's got a flame on top of it. The flame is the cause. This tiny little flame is definitely muksa because it's got no value to it. There's nothing you can do to it. It's muksa machmas gufoi and it's muksa machmas isa. If you're going to do anything to it, it's going to, it's going to go out. So you're going to be, uh, you'll be transgressing the malacha of putting out a fire on Shabbos. So the flame is muksa. Once the flame becomes muksa, the candle becomes muksa because that's now supporting, holding the flame. Once the candle is muksa, or even without that, the flame is being supported as well by the candlesticks. So those candlesticks are now muksa. The candlesticks are being supported by the tray, so the tray is muksa. The table is being supported, the, uh, 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 is supporting the candlesticks and the candles and the flame, etc. So the, the table will become muksa. You now have a chain effect where the muksa is now being carried through from the flame down to the candles, to so the candlesticks, to the tray, to the table. They all become muksa of the bosses. However, you'll turn around to me and say, but I don't understand. 
my candles go out within two, three hours of Shabbos, by the time I finish my Shabbos meal, perhaps I've had my tea, the candles have gone out. So why, why is it muksa? The, can- the cause of muksa is not there anymore. The flames now um, extinguished. There's no muksa anymore. Why is my candlestick, my tray on my table still muksa? And the answer is because since on the onset of Shabbos that flame was burning and hopefully it was burning at the onset of Shabbos. If it wasn't, you may not light it. So you must have lit it before the onset of Shabbos and it was burning throughout the Ben Hashemosh's period. Therefore, the office these articles, the candle, the candlesticks, the tray, the table, were bosses and were muxa during the period of Ben Hashemoshes at the beginning of Shabbos. They therefore retain their muxa throughout Shabbos. And therefore, in order to be able to allow us to move my tray or to move my table, if necessary, on Shabbos, say Chazal, make sure that on the table you have your chalas. If you have your chalas, then nobody will tell you that chalas are more expensive than candlesticks, or maybe not more than, uh, than your flame, but at the end of the day, for you, at this point in time, you need your chalas for Shabbos, you need it for Lecha Mishnah. So it has more practical value for you at this point in time. Therefore, if you put that chalas on the table, your table is now a bosses. It's supporting not only the flame and the candlesticks and the candle, but it's also supporting the chalas, and the chalas tips the, the, the balance here, because the chalas have slightly more value, practical value to you at this point in time. Not monetary value, but practical value. You want those chalas to be able to eat your meal. Therefore, the table is considered the basis for a permitted and a non-permitted item at the same time. And the rule is, if the, if the permitted item is of more value, then that table is not the basis. And the same would be, as we explained, if you want to remove the bosses of the tray and allow you to move the tray, even with a candlestick on it, on Shabbos, you have to place something else which is regularly or makes sense to place on the tray. Something which you would, on, on, on any other occasion, also place on a tray. And it has to have more value than the candlesticks or the flame and the candles, depending on how you understand the, the, the cause of muksa here. But I don't want to get, go down that road now. Then, if you place something on that tray, then eventually you will be able to lift the tray. Because the tray is not muksa anymore. You'll be able to lift the tray with a candlestick and move it away. Because you've removed the bosses, you've removed the muksa from the tray, because by placing through ben, throughout Benesh Marshes, something permitted on that tray, you've turned the tray into a bosses for a permitted and a non-permitted item. And if the non-permitted item is more value to you, financial, monetary value, or more uh, um, practical value, then that tray is not considered a bosses to a Dava Osir alone. It's a bosses to both a Dava Osir and a Dava Mutter, with a Dava Mutter being of more value. It's not a bosses. You therefore can pick up your tray and move your candlesticks away, change your tablecloth, etc., etc. And that's where we arrived at last week. That's the basics Basic background to the halachas of bosses. The bosses of Dava Asa, the Dava Mutter, is not a bosses. A bosses to Dava Asa is a bosses. And the practical ramifications of the, the candlesticks on the tablecloth. What's also interesting, and it really is logical when you think it through in the halachas of bosses, is that it can't, bosses can never receive a greater muxta than the item that's on it. So, if you place on a tray a candle or a, a flame, so that flame is muksa machmas gufay. That's a real muksa. Where the halacha muksa machmas gufay is, which we'll see in the next year, that you may not move it, not for any purpose at all. It's got the most strictest halachas of tiltal light muksa machmas gufay. In case, as we discussed in the previous shurim, therefore the bosses, the tray, and the table will receive through the chain effect the same level of muksa as the flame. So therefore I will not be allowed to move the table for any reason at all. Not in the buffet, not in the 
Mekaymai, not Mechamel at all, not for its own use, not for the use of the space, and not to protect it, I can't move it at all. Because the gossip, the muxa that this table has now received, is the identical muxa to that which it is supporting, which is the flame, and the flame is one of the strictest muxas that we have. If, however, we would put, place an item which is only a keli shemalach delisa, so you take your hammer, and you put it down on a chair, and you say, right, I want this hammer to remain in this chair for the next seven days. And come Shabbos, and you realize, oh dear, I've got guests, and I need this chair, so, one second, this chair is now a bosses. Because you've placed a hammer, which is a keli shemalach delisa on the chair, it's now a bosses. But, since the halakas of a keli shemalach delisa, as we've learned at length, is that you may move a keli shemalach delisa for the sake of using it for its, if you need it, for the hammer to crack the nuts, or if you need the place to sit on, then the chair cannot be more strict than the actual hammer that was placed on it. So the law, the halakha of the chair will be, Let's say if Gufa you may move it. So you will then, if you need this chair for your guest, you'll pick up the hammer, you put it away, which you're allowed to, because it's a Kali Shemlak which you may move let's say Gufa or Lusarif Makame. For the sake of sitting on that chair, you are perfectly permitted to pick it up in a normal manner and put it away. Now, my chair's in the wrong place. May I move it? And the answer is it might be a bosses, but it's no stricter than the hammer. So just like I'm allowed to use the ha- move the hammer to use the hammer, I'm allowed to u- move the chair to use the chair. It Therefore, will enable you to pick up a chair, put it to the table, and let your guest sit on it. You don't even have to tell your guest that the chair is muksa, because there's absolutely no need. Whatever that the guest is going to do with that chair, unless you start dancing with that chair, you 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 really are t- perfectly permitted to move it on Shabbos. But if you then decide that this chair is in a vulnerable position and I want to move it somewhere out of the sunlight, so the lovely um, the lovely wax uh, gloss shine on the back of the chair shouldn't get damaged by the sun, that would be that would be awesome. Because since this chair is a bosses to the hammer, despite the fact you've taken the hammer off, it's too bad. It remains muxa for the whole Shabbos. The hammer may not be moved for the protection of the hammer itself. It can only be moved if you want to use the hammer or if you want the space. But for the protection of the hammer, it's not permitted to be used, to be moved. So too, to move the chair to protect it from damage would also be forbidden. So I might be allowed to move the chair to use it. I won't be allowed to move the chair to protect it from any damage. Because the status of the bosses will always be the exact same status as that muksa which I placed on it. So another simple example would be if you place that pen in a, you know, often you have on the side bowls, lovely beautiful bowls, uh, cobalt china or just plain, plain uh, crystal bowls in many houses, but they usually end up being the, the, the biggest dumping, you know, little, you, you, you come in and you put your, your this there and you put your that there. So very often you will come to people's really elegant dining rooms and you see for some reason a pen inside one of these lovely crystal bowls. So... That pen now should, if you put it there with an intention to leave it there, will turn this bowl into a process. Now, it comes Friday, it comes Shabbos morning, and you're making a kiddish at home, and you want the space on the sideboard, but one second, there's a bowl with a pen inside. That bowl might be a process, but since it's only a process to a pen, which is nothing more than a keli shemalachto which allows me to move it, let's say, good point, all the time from I can then pick up the bowl with the pen inside, without the pen inside, it's irrelevant, move it away, and use the space underneath it. But if the bowl was in a, a vulnerable position where my children, grandchildren, or great-grandchildren were coming to play and I was worried that they're going to play football, I can't stop them playing football in my front room, and I was worried they were going to damage this bowl, to move that, to protect it, that would be awesome. To, to move, to protect a Kedish Munafta and so too the process of a Kedish Munafta is completely forbidden. <coughs> we discussed right at the end of the year last week, uh, three weeks ago last week, three weeks ago, we discussed um, 
the different conditions attached to a bosses. And we said we'll elaborate this week and, and this year, and let's, let's do that right now. Certain conditions which are needed to be met in order for a permitted uh, uh, item, which is supporting a forbidden item, a moksha item, to become a bosses, there are certain conditions attached to that. And the conditions we, we discussed then were that it, you mustn't be something which you've forgotten. It's got to be placed there intentionally. It's got to be something which wasn't just coincidentally there, and we'll explain what that means a bit later. And it's got to be something that you put there yourself, not that you put, not that somebody else put there in, in, on, on an item which is yours. And we'll go through all of those at length and all the different uh, example, practical examples which are relevant to us. So the first condition attached to turning a permitted article into a boxes is that it's got to be that you placed it there with, in, with intention. You didn't forget it. It wasn't forgotten. So, for instance, an example would be if you came in on a Friday and you sat down on a chair and your purse slipped out of your pocket and it landed on the chair and then the Friday rush you didn't even notice and it comes Friday night and you notice that the purse is on the chair. Now, the purse is completely muxa, it's got money inside, properly muxa, can't move it for any reason whatsoever. And it's now lying on a chair, the chair is supporting this purse, so you'll turn around to me and say, the chair is supporting the purse, the chair must become a boxes. And if I'm not allowed to move a purse, I may not move a chair either. So then it should follow that I shouldn't be allowed to use this chair for the duration of Shabbos. But here comes this first condition to play. And that is, that since I never intended for that purse to be there, it landed there without my knowledge, or I forgot it there, I left it there unintentionally. Here it was definitely unintentionally because it dropped out of my pocket and just it, it landed there without me even knowing about it. So that's as, as, as unintentional as you can get. The chair does not become a boss's. I can therefore take the chair, tip the purse on the floor, mustn't do more than that, tilt them in a side is perfectly permitted, I tip it onto the floor, kneel, as we've learned, we tip it onto the floor, uh, hopefully it won't get in the way, if it's in the way you can then kick it out of the way, as we, dis- we discussed at length in the previous room, and then use that chair, move it wherever you like, place it wherever you want, move it to protect it, move it to use it, no restrictions at all, because a chair is not considered a bosses. For a bosses to be a bosses, you have to place the moxa item on top of the, the non-moxa item with intention. If it's muksa, if it's muksa, then the person can't sit on it. No, it's not going to help if she moves it, unless she's going to sit on it. If she's going to sit on it, that's fine. But if she's going to move it for someone else, if the chair's muksa, then, then it's not going to help you. But if you accidentally left your purse there, then the chair's not muksa, and you're absolutely fine. Or another example would be if a child came in from the garden, and boy, this, she found this most beautiful stone, right? It's a, a real treasure. And he brings it in, and he dumps it down on the armchair just before Shabbos, two minutes before Shabbos. And in the rush of getting ready for Shabbos, you didn't even notice it. Comes Friday night, and you're about to sit down on the armchair, and you see this nice, whacking stone sitting on, uh, on your armchair. It could be a piece of wood, or anything muksa on your armchair. Does your armchair become a bosses? Does it not become an armchair? Does it become a, a, a bosses? Does it not become a bosses? And the answer is that it won't become a bosses, because this child, a, a young child, doesn't have the ability to place something there intentionally. A child who's going to leave something like that on the armchair is usually a child who doesn't have the sense and not to understand what he's doing. And if he does that, it's considered placing the muxa item unintentionally on the armchair, and the armchair does not become a boss's. So you will have to tip the armchair so the muxa item will fall on the floor, and then you can comfortably sit on your armchair. So that's the, the first condition attached to making something into a boss's. It, you mustn't... It can't be that you forgot the, uh, the muxa item. It's got to be that you placed it there intentionally. An extension of that condition is that 
even if you placed an item there intentionally, but you didn't place it there with the intention to leave it for Shabbos. Meaning, you came in on Wednesday, and you had your purse with you, and you put it down on the chair, and you knew you were putting it down on the chair, and you intended to put it down on the chair, and you placed it in this bowl, and you intended to place it in that bowl. You did it with complete coherent mind. No, you weren't in a phase, you weren't in a daze, everything was perfect. You placed, placed it there intentionally. But you never actually explicitly said, I want to leave this here for Shabbos. Meaning that your subconscious intention was that it's going to be here for a while and I'll take it when I next need it. But you didn't explicitly think or say that I want to place this purse in this bowl or on this chair, etc. throughout the duration of Shabbos. Came Shabbos, you completely forgot that you placed it there. Well, you didn't forget, but you didn't have any thoughts about this purse in this bowl when, with regards to Shabbos. Come Friday night, you suddenly realize it's there. What do you do? The answer is, since you never intended to leave it there for Shabbos, it's not considered a bosses. Again, bosses can only become a bosses. A permitted article can only become a bosses if the article was placed there with intent. You place it here with intent, but not with intention to leave it there for the duration of Shabbos, it's not considered a bosses. It's not considered a bosses. I specifically gave an example of Wednesday, because this Allah really only applies to something which you place during the week. If you came in on a Friday, you came rushing in from Gudzinski's or from... Uh, uh, whichever, wherever you're shopping or from Brent Cross an hour before Shabbos and you take your bag and your purse and you put it down in this in this bowl because you just want to get out of the way and that's a, the, the nearest place where you, that's the usual place where you put it or unusual but the normal dump it in there just get it out of the way so you can quickly get ready for Shabbos and come Friday night and you suddenly realize oh dear I've left my purse there now here there's an enormous machlekes in the Paschim the Bishasov and others they discuss this at length is Friday different or is Friday the same? Do we say at the end of the day you le- left it in this bowl Friday, but you didn't really intend to leave it there for Shabbos, and therefore when Shabbos came in it's considered unintentionally left, and so the bowl shouldn't be considered a bosses? Or do we say Friday is different? If you place something in a bowl on Friday, you've got to realize that the most probable outcome is that you're going to end up leaving it there for Shabbos. It's as if you said explicitly, I'm going to leave it there for Shabbos. So, Friday may have different connotations to during the week. During the week, if you don't expressly, explicitly express the intention to leave it there for Shabbos, not considered the bosses. Friday, Mr. Burr seems to be a bit machme here, he seems to take the strict view that on Friday, if you place it there without any clear intention for Shabbos, but you left it there, you just left it there, and Shabbos came in and it remained there, it would take the... the rules of bosses and the bowl or the chair or whatever it may be would be considered the bosses because by placing it there on a Friday the assumption is that you meant to leave it there throughout Shabbos if however you put it there on a Friday and you said explicitly I do not intend to leave it here for Shabbos but then in the rush you forgot that's absolutely fine because you clearly did not intend to leave it there for Shabbos and the fact that you remained there for Shabbos is considered forgotten not with intention and therefore you now have not turned this place this pole, this chair, whatever it may be, into a boss. So those so far we've got two conditions. It must be that you place it there with intent. Can't be that you place it there without any intention. <coughs> Meaning it's not something that you forgot there. It's got to be that you place it there with intention, direct intention to leave it there for the Holy Shabbos, not that you put it down on Wednesday without any intention to leave it there for Shabbos, without any intention at all. You just place it there, and come Shabbos you forgot about it, that's not considered a bosses, but if you place it there on a Friday, without any clear expression of what your intent is, but Shabbos comes in, you then find it there, it will be considered a bosses, unless you expi- explicitly said, I do not want to keep it there for Shabbos. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, I don't know. 
That, that's probably good enough, yeah. But you know, next time you do that, say it, and then you'll remember to take it away. <laughs> There's another condition attached, and this is an extremely interesting one, this is extremely practical. So far, you might turn around to me and say, they're not all so practical, they're unusual, though you will come across the examples I've given you here and there, they do actually do surface sometimes in, in, in most average households. But this is something which is more practical and probably does really affect all of us without us really even realizing it. There's another condition attached to the halachas of bosses, and that is, the Mishnah Buruh quotes it from the, in the name of the Mognavron, that an unplanned placing is not considered a placing. Meaning like this, and the Mishnah himself gives us examples. You have a cupboard, right? You have your pantry, you have your whatever, a cupboard. Uh, you then have a cupboard with food in it, and you have a cupboard with uh, your soap powder in it, whatever it is, a cupboard where you keep your, all your, the bits and pieces that you need for your house. So you come home from your shopping, from your Sainsbury's, your Tesco's, your Asda's, where your Morrison's, I don't know, wherever you come from, and you empty your stuff into the cupboard. Now, very often, and more, most likely, is that you're not going to have enough room in your cupboard to place everything neatly in it. Well, I'm talking to people who are members of the Golden Gate Base, so I might be wrong, but, but in not, not all households do they have the enough room in the cupboard to be able to place everything in their neat little positions. And you often find that if you peep into other people's cupboards that they're quite piled. And you'll have a, a, a box of matzo on, on the, there, and on top of it you might have a package of soap or, or whatever, some shampoo, whatever it may be. Now, you never, you, you place it up with intention. You came home from the shopping and you put the stuff in the cupboard and you, now, if you think it's, you never have soap powder on top of a box of matzo, okay, let's talk about a different case. You came home from the shopping from Tesco with all your vegetables, and you put your apples and your fruit, and then you find a, a, a bag of potatoes. Potatoes or muksa. So what do you do? You put it on top. And of course, you put it gently not to bruise your fruit. You place it on top. Come Shabbos, you then realize, hey, there's potatoes on top of my fruit, and you really fancy an orange. You really fancy an orange, but that orange is just directly below the potatoes. Do we consider those potatoes... Sorry, do we consider the orange to be muksa? Or do we say no? Move the potatoes, tilt them in outside, tip them up somehow or other, and then take the orange and eat it. And then you know, you place these potatoes there with complete intention. Total intention. Now, if you look at me and you think, I'm mad, I think you're another example, which probably, even in a Gold's Green Basin Magic House, you will find, even in this case. You have a freezer. Now, don't tell me that your freezers are really beautifully stacked to the... Uh, I, I just won't believe you. So you have a freezer and you have raw fish or raw meat, in the same drawer as your ice cream, and you open up your freezer, and you suddenly realize that you've got four packs of mincemeat lying on top of the ice cream that you want to serve for after. Mincemeat is muksa. What do you do? Can I access my, my ice cream, or can I not? Says the unbelievable Kiddush, since you never intended really for the meat to be on top of the ice cream, or for the potatoes to be on top of the fruit, or for your soap powder to be on top of your box of matzah. You didn't really. If you would have had space in the cupboard, you would most gladly put it on the space in the cupboard. You just had no space, so you put it there because you need it in the cupboard, and that was the easiest point that you could actually place the item, that you placed there, the matzah item. But it wasn't with intention for it to be supported by the item underneath it. You don't want the ice cream to support the mincemeat. You don't, because really, you shouldn't be putting raw food on top of uh, uh, ice cream anyway. But it's not really your intention. And you don't really intend for the potatoes to be stacked by the 
oranges. That's not really your intention. It just happens there was no room. Since that's called, that's what we call, he calls unplanned placing of, of a, of, an, of a moksha item on a, on a non-moksha item. And therefore, that doesn't constitute the halachas of bosses. Because it's really under the banner of forgotten. It really doesn't have the full intention of leaving something there for the duration of Shabbos as a true base for the moksha item. So you can open up your freezer drawer. Now, let's get your freezer drawer. You've got to be very careful. If you've got in the drawer moksha and non-moksha items, may I open my freezer drawer, may I not open my freezer drawer? Is, is really relevant. If we spoke about opening a drawer with money in, but that might not be so relevant on Shabbos, but opening a freezer drawer, and you've got most of your freezer drawers piled high with all your lumps of meat, which is com- coming cheap in, in throw wines or whatever you call it, in, in Exchange, because uh, you know, all your cheap chickens which they're giving are not enough. So, so you've piled your freezer, and you've left in the corner of the drawer, I don't know, uh, some, some dessert for... It's not so straightforward that you're allowed to open that drawer on Shabbos, because you have a huge amount of meat in there with something which... Now, if that something is more value to you, then okay, you've got a buses, a double mutter, a double offer. But you have to take each case by its merits. You have to judge each case by its merits. Each drawer, you've got to open up and see. Now, if you're really, 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 really from... You would go through your freezer before, right, before Shabbos, and you would sort out. You put all the moksha into one drawer, and one moksha into another drawer, and that would solve this problem. But if you are going to open up your mixed drawers, like most of us do, then you have to make sure that the item of non-moksha is less, is more important to you than the item of moksha, so that will enable you to open the drawer, even though there's buses, even though there's a moksha or a non-moksha item there. Are you with me? Fine. So, so think of a case where it's not ice cream. Or, or think of a case where you don't know which drawer you put your ice cream in. Now again, I shouldn't be saying this in, in, in this hall, but it does happen. There's, there are women out there who sometimes forget which drawer they put their ice cream, and they open every drawer seven times until they find it. Now, opening every drawer seven times can mean that you're going to open that drawer, which is? It's completely muxa. So you do need to be aware of what's in your freezer drawers before you open them on a Friday night or Shabbos morning before you access whatever you want to access. Your freezer, so you're far better off. But you're not really far better off because obviously the ice cream's at the back of the, the back of the shelf and you've got a bit of a problem. How do you get there? The door you can open, there's nothing wrong with opening the door. There's nothing wrong with opening the door at all, but the, the drawers or... Uh, that, the, that's fine, because that's fine, because it's not, it's not a, a base. The, the more difficult case when you have a door and not a drawer is that if you've got your mooks in the front, you, you're going to have a difficulty to access the, the food at the back. So, yes, even then you will have to uh, think it before Shabbos and make sure that the non mooks item is accessible without having to move around the, the mooks item. So, a unplanned placing of, of a mooks item on a non mooks item is not considered a process. Now, here comes the mission with a very, very, very interesting scenario. It's back to our classic candlestick case again. Now, again, I'm probably talking to most people who face a candlestick not on the table, but I have never had a Shabbos meal, to the best of my knowledge, at home without candlesticks on the table. So for me, it's very relevant. I'm sure there are others out there who also find it relevant. The Mishnah comes out with an unbelievable Kiddush. What would happen, he says, you know, you eat Friday night, and you know, most of us are not the, the most uh, you know, perfect eaters, and sometimes a drop of something will fall on the tablecloth, and you want to change the tablecloth for Shabbos morning. You can't have a dead tablecloth for Shabbos morning. You've got guests, it's not covered Shabbos, any reason you like. But you've still got your candlesticks on the table, and you didn't put anything on the tray 
of the candlestick. So you've got your candlesticks on the trays, and the candlesticks couple on muksa, the trays muksa. Now, I want to change my tablecloth. So now in the olden days, and perhaps even nowadays, often the cleaners would come in on a Shabbos morning to sort the house out, and they would see the candlesticks on the table, and they would take them and put them on the side, which is, as long as you're not watching, you don't tell them to do that, which is absolutely fine. If they do it on their own, they don't, you don't ask questions, they come in, they move the candlesticks on, on the side, you now have a free table. You can take the tablecloth off. But one second. May I move my tablecloth, or may I not? Isn't my tablecloth considered muksa? Isn't my tablecloth not a bosses, or is it yes a bosses? Says the Mishnah Brewer, according to this understanding of unplanned placing, when I place my candlesticks on the table, I don't really want to place them on the tablecloth. If theoretically you could cut a little square out exactly where my tray is of tablecloth, and I would happily put my tray there too. I don't need the tablecloth there to... Su- I need the table there. I don't want my tray on the floor. I want it on the table, so my table is definitely a bosses. But the tablecloth is not really... It's just incidental. Incidental meaning I've placed it there, but incidentally there's a tablecloth underneath. That doesn't necessarily turn the tablecloth into a bosses. And therefore, according to this reasoning, I would be allowed to then, if the candlesticks are not on the table, take the tablecloth off, no problem at all, throw it in the, in, in the washroom and place it with a new tablecloth. Now, there is, there are others who disagree with this view, that the Mishaburu does say that in case of need, one can be makele. One is allowed to be makele on this idea, so if you are opening your drawer and you do find your meat on top of your ice cream, Ideally, you should prevent that, try and make sure that doesn't happen. But if you do open up and you need your ice cream, then in the time of need, you can pull the ice cream out and the ice cream is not considered the bosses. Or if a case of a tablecloth or the potatoes on the orange, you will find an enormous amount of, of scenarios where this is practical. So ideally, you should try and prevent it. Make sure that you have your box of candles is not on top of your matzah, but it's possible that it might be. If it is, that's not considered intentionally placing and you can just spit the box of matzah out and the candles will fall, tilt them and that's up. And that's absolutely fine, and you can use them. But one is, it's most preferable to, to try and prevent, before Shabbos, any of these, these uh, scenarios that we've spoken about. If you put it on the side, that's fine, you just leave it there. No problem at all, Mrs. You said the same thing last time, Mrs. Graydon. You, you, haven't, you haven't converted me yet. She used to put it on the side. Another condition, we're running out of time, another condition with bosses, in, in order for something to become a bosses, as we mentioned, is that it's got to be that you place the muksa item on an item which is yours. I can't come along and take a muksa item and place it on something which is yours before Shabbos with intention. I take, let's give a, a, a silly example. So the, the, the muksa, the, the boy goes around this Friday morning with the, with the uh, stocker box and he collects all the stocker and then he opens up the gubbers box and he puts his he puts the stock of box inside because the gabba wasn't there that day he's gone off to the bomb of the so and he puts it in there and comes up this morning the gabba comes in he opens up his box wants to take his sitter out and he's got he's got muksa on top and he was placed there with good intention the boy put it there or the man placed it there complete intention I'm leaving here till the gabba comes and finds it and puts it back after Shabbos as long as it takes and he explicitly said I'm leaving here for the duration of Shabbos since it's not his item you can't mean, I can't, or you can't turn somebody else's item into a bosses. I can't make somebody else's item into something which is forbidden. I can't. I can't do that. So therefore, if I place a muksa item, which is mine or not mine, on somebody else's item, 
that's not considered a bosses, and the item remains, the item remains perfectly permitted. So this gentleman will be allowed to come, pull his seder out, and doesn't find that seder, no problem at all, because no one else has the ability to make any of my articles forbidden for Shabbos. Finally, I want to discuss something very interesting which the Mishnah Brewer talks about with regards to pockets on Shabbos. And it's interesting, again, it could be relevant with regards to pockets. If you find a muksa item in your pocket, or you place a muksa item in your pocket, we place money in our trouser pockets, or we place pens in our jacket pockets, um, keys, car keys, and we put them in there, and they're my weekday trousers, and I put my car keys in my trouser pocket, and I hang it up with the car keys in there, and I intend to leave them there for Shabbos. No problem. No questions asked. Definitely intend. Come Shabbos, morning, Shabbos Friday night, and I'm about to get ready for Shabbos, or Shabbos morning, and now for some reason my Shabbos suit isn't, isn't wearable, so I want to wear my weekday suit. But I have a problem now that my pocket has muxer in it. Does that render the whole trousers, jacket, skirt, jumper, whatever it may be, does it render the whole garment muxer because of buses, or not? Do I say the fact that I've got muxer in my pocket, therefore means that my whole trousers, my whole jacket, is now supporting the item of muksa, and therefore it's a bosses, and I can't use it. Or do we say no? A pocket's a pocket, a jacket's a jacket, and they are two independent places, not, not, not really connected one to the other, and therefore it doesn't become a bosses, and then I would be allowed to use my jacket. Now here the halakha tells us something very, very interesting. It really depends the type of pocket we have here. So if you have a jacket pocket like mine, which is completely sewn in, or a trouser pocket which is completely sewn in, which is rare in trousers, but, uh, or uh, a, a pocket which is sewn, not just the opening, but the whole pocket is sewn in, then that pocket becomes part of the garment, of the bigger garment, and placing it into the pocket is equivalent to placing it on top of the whole jacket. So if I have a pen in my jacket, and I want to now move my jacket because it's in the sunlight, and I don't want it to get damaged by the sunlight, I can't move it. My jacket is now a muksa. It's mu- the whole jacket is muksa. So bosses, the dog also. If I have a pocket like a trouser pocket which usually hangs free, but the, just the opening of the pocket is thrown into the garment, then that's considered a separate place in its own right. It's considered a separate place completely. And it's not considered part of the, the larger trousers. So if I would have muksa in that pocket, my trousers are not considered a bosses. My pocket is considered a bosses. My trousers will not be considered a bosses. So if I had money in my trouser pocket, and I needed to wear those trousers on Shabbos, and I put the money there with intention, because I didn't think I was going to wear these trousers. But then I realized I need to wear them on Shabbos. I spill out the money from my pocket, which is the ideal thing to do. I wear those trousers, that's absolutely fine. I can wear those trousers, and I can take them, and walk out, we walk out of it, it's fine. What I may not do, will be put my hand in my pocket. It's cold, minus 15 degrees out there, so I want to put my hand in my pocket to keep it warm. That I can't do, because my pocket's muksa. But the trousers are not the bosses. Because the pocket is considered a separate entity completely to the garment. If the pocket is sewn in, like a jacket pocket, or, or sometimes you find trouser pockets with the actual pocket sewn in completely, and then the pocket and the garment are considered a single entity, money in the pocket would mean that the whole garment is considered muksa. Now there's an interesting chiddush in as well, that even in a case of a pocket where the pocket is a separate entity to the garment, and therefore I would be allowed to wear the garment, I, I could theoretically pick up that garment and wear it even with the money in. So say I don't intend to go out, I'm just, I've got guests coming and I like this suit, so I want to wear this suit, but it's got money in. So I put my trousers on, it's not muksa, my trousers are not the bosses, and I wear them, it's got a pound in my pocket, so what? Nothing wrong with that. It's not the bosses. 
Don't come in upset. I'm not doing anything wrong. I need my trousers. I'm wearing it because I want the trousers. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. I can't move it out because it's it zipped in the trousers. But if the, the it should be that should be fine. But here there's an interesting halacha that wearing wearing clothes which has muksa in the pocket, even though it's not forbidden because of muksa, it's forbidden because of a worry that you might go outside and carry. So Chazal said any clothing with muksa in the pocket, in a situation where the pocket is not considered part of the clothing, so if the clothing is not considered the bosses, you may not wear that. Even in the house, you may not wear the, that, that piece of clothing, that item of clothing, because we're worried that you might end up going outside with it. But to move it around the house, because it's, you place it in one place, you want to place it in another place, or that cupboard is a leak and you're worried about the clothes in the cupboard, so you want to move it to another cupboard, that's absolutely fine, because that pocket is a loose pocket, it's not considered part of the original garment, you can move it no problem at all. It's not muksa. If, however, it was a garment which had the pocket sewn in, that would make a clear differentiation, that would be considered a single item, together with the larger piece of clothing that the pocket's in, the trousers, the jacket, the jumper, whatever it may be, and therefore it would be forbidden you to move that item at all on Shabbos because the muxa in the pocket has rendered the whole garment into a bosses and a something which is muxa. That would mean yomtuv would be the same problem. Exactly the same problem. So if you had money in your in your yomtuv in yomtuv uh, jacket or in your yomtuv coat, say you took you took you you, you went to a chasna and you you put the money into your coat pocket. Uh, so here we'll go through all everything that we're going to do. If you in, never in, if it was a Friday. And you left it there, you would have a problem. If it was a, a Thursday or Wednesday, and you left it there, it, you didn't say clearly you wanted it there for Shabbos, so it was unintentional, then it won't be a bosses. But if it was a Friday, say, and you put it there, and you said, right, I'm leaving you here now, and you forgot completely that Shabbos is coming, but if you leave it on Friday, we have to make the assumption that the intention was to keep it there. And come Shabbos, you suddenly realize I've got money in my pocket. What do I do? Can I just tip it out? And use my, 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 my coat and Shabbos? It would depend what type of pocket your coat has. If it's a pocket which is sewn in, and you have the money there which turns it into buses, you will not be allowed to use your coat and Shabbos. But in most cases, you don't need money on a Friday, and in most times, you, will, you would have left it totally unintentionally. So it's not so practical with a coat, but it can be practical with jackets and trousers and, and, and other items of clothing. You can come across these scenarios. Again, depending on the type of pocket, if the pocket is a loose pocket just sewn in by the opening, that's not, that will not render the whole garment into, into a buses. Uh, often coat pockets are like that, they are loose pockets. If it's a pocket which is sewn in all the way around, jacket pockets, uh, etc., uh, jumper pockets are usually completely sewn in. That would be considered part of the garment. Anything placed there intentionally is considered a bosses and would render the whole garment mucks up. I hope that gives us a, a clear background and understanding to bosses. We could spend many more shurim on bosses, but I think that's given us a broad picture of what you may do, what you may not do in Shabbos with regards to opening drawers, uh, and fruit, vegetable racks, vegetable cupboards, etc., plain pantries, candlesticks on the table. These are, are areas where you're going to meet bosses on a regular Shabbos quite frequently if you don't understand and know the, the, the basic background and laws to bosses. So I hope it's given us a bit, a bit of an understanding of what bosses is and it should minimize, hopefully, uh, any unintentional uh, desecration of Shabbos. Just a very, very brief, we really are late, just a very brief um, short of our prayer. The, this week's Sedra Pashas Truma discusses the building of the Mishkan and all the different vessels which were placed inside the Mishkan and of course the first vessel which was built was the Orin the Asu Orin Atzishitim with all the different dimensions interesting the Mephashim point out that the Orin the wording before Orin is Asu in the plural they should make when it comes to the table Vasisa it's in singular when it comes to the Orin the other vessels are all in the singular the Orin is considered the Torah commands in the plural Asu. Now we know that the Aaron represents Torah, the Aaron represents the, the uh, Limut Torah, the Keser Torah, the, uh, 
crown around the Oren is the Kesel of Tyre. The Oren is considered the, the, the Tyre. And when it comes to Tyre, the relevance of Tyre is not only relevant to a single party in the home. The Shulchan, which represents the, the uh, monetary side of the home, the Hamas of the home, that's usually focused on one person. Yes, there can be one person, the male or the female, whoever it is, one, one person can be the, the, the source of livelihood in the home. It's not necessary for two. Yes, in economic downturn, sometimes you might, for practical reasons, need two people. But the, there's no advantage for two people earning money rather than one. One person's earning money, that's absolutely fine. But see the shokhan, then one person can build the shokhan, one person can make the shokhan. When it comes to Torah, Torah needs a partnership. Torah is not sufficient with just one person learning Torah. Torah needs a partnership of the whole house. The husband, the wife, the whole household has to be in partnership with the Torah in order for that Torah to be considered a true Torah. The sapisa isa mi bayis mi bechutz. The iron has to be covered in gold, not only on the outside, but on the inside as well. Because the home, the inside of the home is as relevant to Torah as the outside. It's no good saying that outside the home I'm learning Torah, the inside the home, my home is going to be a home which is whatever, you know, where I can do what I like and not bound by the laws of Torah. Torah demands that the inside and the outside are the tzipis isoizav. It's got to be the gold, has got to be on the outside and on the inside equally. Because the true home, a home of Torah and a home of, of, of a Jewish household has to be a home where the osu, where there is everybody in the home is focused and aiming for the same thing in order to get closer to Torah and to keep the Torah closer to the branch of and it's got to be that the inside and the outside the inside of the home and the outside of the home reflect exactly the same thing the gold, the gold of Torah and in fact if you look at the, the measurements of the Oren you'll find that the width of the Oren is wider than all the other vessels again because that's to show us that the importance of Torah is far greater than any of the other vessels in, 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 the, in the Mishkan the importance of Torah is far greater than anything else that you might find inside your home but after the Mikdash for Shachanti Vesoycham as, as the Al-Sheikh says the passing is not only referring to the base of Mikdash and to the Mishkan it's referring to every single person but also Lee Mikdash each person should make for themselves a Mikdash in their own hearts in their own homes and I will dwell my Shechina there that if we understand the importance of a home is that you have to have the home surrounded by gold covered in gold on the inside and the outside and gold is Torah then we will be there to see the Shechina and the Beis HaGoyal will be here Amen Amen